This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.com for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. I'm Nick Hoadley, and each week you can join me as I interview leading InsureTech executives from around the world. We will be learning about the different InsureTech technologies and finding out how they can be a benefit to both insurance brokers and carriers when it comes to delivering for your customers. We'll also be learning about the different career opportunities available to insurance leaders within the InsureTech space and what benefits that can give to your career. I hope you enjoy the show. Today, I am delighted to be joined by Andre Sims, who is the co-CEO at Genesis. Genesis are an international insurance technology business, and Andre joins me from London this morning. Andre, welcome to the show. Hi, Nick. Thanks for having me on. Andre, it's a pleasure to have you on today. Really looking forward to hearing more about Genesis and, and some of the great work you're doing there. Before we get into that, though, would you mind sharing with our listeners a little bit more about your personal career background and what led you to to joining Genesis and now into your role as the co-CEO? No, no problem. Since since the first day out of college, um, I've been involved in technology businesses, always in the SME space and always been brought on to help grow the companies. Uh, Genesis was founded in 1997 when I was still at school, actually, by, by my father and my co-CEO, Craig Willoughby. Now, my dad was wise enough to first send me out into the world and go make all my mistakes with other people's businesses before they brought me into the family <laughs> business. But around uh, right about 2011, Genesis had grown substantially. Well, not substantially, we were about 30 people at the time then. And Craig and Steve firmed me up and said, look, Andre, we see what you've done with these other businesses in South Africa. We want you to join, bring that expertise about how to scale operational and sales teams to Genesis. We are about to hit big and we need to make sure that we have infrastructure in place to support growing customer base. And that's when I joined. Fantastic. I'm really looking forward to hearing about the business and, and where it is. Joining us from London today, it's great to <laughs> great to have a podcast guest in the, in the same country for a change this morning. And we've been talking about the weather. What's your go-to coffee of choice? This morning. Right now, the walking from Waterloo to Southwark, where our offices are, was pretty chilly. So I double stacked on uh, flat whites for the walk up. And I only managed to finish one of them on the way. So I have another one for the podcast. Yeah, double a double take. Nice. I've actually got a cup of tea for the first time, which I think slightly goes against the insurance coffee half. One uh, in 120 shows isn't too bad. I've never, never caught onto the tea aspect of my fellow uh, Britons, but um, <laughs> I. <laughs> doesn't have the same kick as a double shot cappuccino or double no, shot uh, no. flat white. Never say never though, Andre, never say never. Andre, great stuff. Would you mind giving us a snapshot and an overview of the business where it is now, the locations that you operate in, the amount of employees that you have, the markets that you're working in? No, absolutely. So currently we have three bricks and mortar offices, one here in London, one in Johannesburg, which is our customer services team, and then one in Cape Town, which is our essentially our product development team. The original uh, heart of the of the company. We were founded in Cape Town, um, so a lot of the old uh, or the the, the longest standing employees are still based there. A lot of the IPs developed out there, or was developed out there, it's now developed out in the UK actually. So we've got those three offices. We currently service forty customers, 
in, I think, 22 countries on four continents. So we have a presence in South America, Africa, Europe, um, and then also in the APAC regions. And we currently have 130 full-time employees split across those three offices. There's about 10, 30, and of, of 60% splits, Johannesburg being the biggest office. So we've actually built up quite a big services team. Um, the one thing that we do hold in high regard is quality customer service uh, post-sale of the software. Yeah. And in terms of that customer base, are you looking at big and large enterprise customers? Are they focused on carriers, MGAs, brokers? What's the sort of the split there? Or, or where do you find most of your customers coming from? So the number of customers, the, 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 the most number of logos or individual companies that join us is from the MGA space. The largest size customers are the tier three carriers that have joined us recently. We made the, the when we when Genesis pivoted to becoming a product company back in 1998, I think it was 1999 it was, we had to sell to anybody, anybody who was, who was willing to buy our products. First three customers that knocked on our door was a broker, an MGA, and an insurer. So we had to build out those products, hence us adopting customers in all of those spaces. Great, great stuff. And in terms of the products that you have there, could you tell me a bit about them and how they've evolved, how they've developed since since the company was formed back in in 1997? I imagine they're very different products to how they started. Oh no, 100%. I think, you know, I get asked that question so often. It's like, wow, Andrew, you guys are 25 years old. You must sit on a heap of legacy stuff. And it's like, no, well, you know, luckily, I think a lot of the people here in the UK know the Triggers, triggers Broom story. And we've repurposed the technology over and over, kept it up to date. We have an exceptionally high revenue to R&D ratio. About 30% of our revenue goes back into research and development and enhancing our product. The one thing as a small organization is that you have to make sure that your technology is better than the bigger ones. Otherwise, what is the point of people looking at you? So, um, And because we have the agility, we can change our product roadmap quite quickly. We can adapt to the changing technologies. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. And Andre, what would you say are the benefits you talk about, you know, your products compared to some of the, those larger businesses? What would you say are the key benefits or solutions that you're providing there to those customers, whether they are carriers, whether they are MGAs, or whether they are the the brokers that you're working with? So the one benefit that you have with Genesis over some of the newer insurtechs is the fact that we have a 25 years of IP built into the product. So our product is extremely rich when it comes to functionality. The one thing that people don't really understand about insurance until it's too late is just how difficult insurance actually is and how complicated it is. So what I'm getting at is that we have a lot of functionality that we can bring in at a price point of some of the newer insurtechs. So number one, it makes it more cost-effective for the carriers or the MGAs to adopt our platform. We have also created tooling that allows us to implement it really quickly. So the cost to implement gets driven down. We've seen a hell of a lot of people very reluctant to update the technology because it's usually a multi-year, a multi-million pound project. And 70% of these projects tend to fail. This is according to um, our friends at uh, uh, McKinsey. If you, if you can drive down the cost to implement new technology, which will ultimately improve the business and therefore our ultimate goal of improving the policyholder's life, yeah. without breaking the bank, you're kind of improving insurance for the for, for, for everybody. That, that's ultimately the goal. Drive down cost to serve, drive down cost implementation, drive down the risk for the carrier so that they can better serve their customers. So it seems like you hit that really nice sweet spot between having a, a business which is very mature you know, you've been working with these insurance companies for a long time. You know, you know what they want. You've been constantly tweaking and adapting the product to suit them. So it's a very uh, mature product that meets the needs and and actually provides the solutions to what they're looking for compared to 
you know, we do see a lot of technology companies coming in, you know, with this glitz and glamour, but actually they're not really providing that solution. It's hard for those carriers to actually see whether there's been ROI or whether they've actually been solving mm. the problem that's out there. You seem to be in a very nice space between between that side of the market and then those obviously these these huge technology players which are working at an extremely large scale and a huge, huge cost of, of, of integration. Yeah, it's that's exactly what we what we what we do. And it's again not by design, it's kind of as as, as consequence of where we find ourselves um, that you know, we have the functionality of the larger players we certainly have the scalability we've done benchmarks with them we've won rfps against all the big listed policy admin providers before but unfortunately we are also competing against the plethora of new b2b insurtechs that have emerged during the the massive vc spend of the last five years um, but we slowly but surely you know the the, the vc funding is drying up um, and you know it's only the really the good quality companies that are that are surviving now so there's a normalization in the market uh, but that's exactly it you know we can serve you know top in top tier one type of solutions as tier four pricing and obviously we're seeing now in the market quite a, a turbulent economic period maybe ahead how do you see that impacting on the insure tech market and and how do you feel that you are positioned yourself as a business in order to continue to be successful and meet, meet the needs of your customers well, we've we've been a self-funded organization for 24 years of our 25-year existence. We've gone through several recessions as uh, you know, we, we've made it through 2008, 2009, we made it through 1999, the dot-com boom. And we have got the right disciplines to make sure that we are a business that doesn't rely on external funding for existence, for runway. We don't, we don't need that. And we will always have that position. And I hope that some of our customers see that as a positive, you know, that, you know, um, we we want to be there for the long term. We are, we are resilient. Look, insurance itself is is pretty recession resilient. As long as the companies also have the opportunity or the, the ability to pivot quickly and cost effectively once things change. We saw that in COVID as an example, you know, when all of a sudden overnight, businesses had to pivot and launch new products very quickly. Those that could survived, those that couldn't didn't. I think that's really interesting. And I think you're in a in a great position to capitalize on that. Andre, it brings us nicely onto the espresso round where the questions are short, sharp and straight to the point. You've already got your two lattes there with you this morning, I think. Was it two lattes or flat whites? Um, two, two flatties. Two flatties, yeah. You've got your two, your two flatties there. Are you ready for the espresso round now? Let's go for it. Let's go for it. The espresso round. Andre, how many people are you looking to grow the business by over the next 12 months? Uh, between 80 and 100. And what culture, what values are you looking to build whilst you're growing the business? What's the internal culture that you're building there? Honestly, hard work and we have a heap of fun along the way. How do you go about building that, implementing that when you've got you've got your office in London, you've got your office in Cape Town, you've got your office in, in Johannesburg? You're looking to grow very, very quickly. How do you bring that together as you grow? What do you sort of put in place? What sort of foundations do you try and put in a place there to ensure that you build on that culture as you are growing the business? I, I cannot stress more how important it is to have strong leadership that are aligned to the CEO's visions, looking after the various arms of the business. Look, I'm extremely fortunate to have my friend and co-CEO, Craig, in South mm. Africa, who, who oversees the teams there. He and I have been uh, best friends for, I don't know, 15 odd years or so, business partners for 12. Um, and we are extremely aligned on what it is we want from the business and, you know, how, how much fun we want to have. And also, you know, our our um, moderate ambitions of growth. Now, we don't look for hyperscaling. So we never put the, the team under too much pressure. If we don't have fun along the way, then there's no point in doing this. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I'm, I'm sure that'll be music to a lot of people's ears who are listening today. If there are people who are who are obviously interested in in some of those positions and you say you're looking to bring in between 80 and 100 people in the next 12 months. So what, what tips do you have for applicants who would be coming in for interviews for you? I think the, the really important thing is that insurance looks really boring from the outside. But when you're on the inside, it's actually quite a cool, cool place to be in lots of emerging technologies. It is a slow burner, you know, so there is a, a slightly longer uptake of new technology from the innovative spear tip. So getting the Formula One tech into mass production does take longer because, you know, insurers are risk averse by nature. So a tip there is that if you want to have a long career, that stable career, but with a good trajectory, you know, you want to grow your career steadily over the next four to five years, that is what you're probably going to get you. You're not going to have this 20 hour a day uh, sleeping on the floor, uh, San Fran or East Coast startup vibe. Um, it's just a cool job, you know, with a bunch of other people that are building, building tech out. But very importantly, is is to is to be open minded about uh, strategies. You know, nothing like work from home, pay strategies. We see the markets fluctuating up and down, mass layoffs in the tech space in the last couple of weeks. That is going to have an impact on what people are willing to pay. So you have to kind of adapt to the markets. You can't just say that, look, I'm used to having a 50% above market pay. Now I'm going to have it for the rest of my life. The, the markets are correcting. And also, um, you know, depending on what work from home strategies are changing, you know, we see people like Elon bringing everybody back to the office. So leaders are trying to experiment to find the best place. Do we work from home? Are we hybrid? What's the best pay packages? Do we go to outcomes based? Do we pay per time? It's just to be open-minded and actually bring um, suggestions to the table on that. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think the whole remote working piece has changed and, and is evolving so so quickly. I think when we were recording our podcast this time last year, so just for our listeners, we're, we're recording this in, in November 2022, but this time last year, you know, it was, it was about how how can we be as successful as possible working remote? And now seeing lots of businesses, lots of companies coming back to the office. We've just heard, yeah, Elon Musk is, uh, is is bringing all the Twitter employees back into the office. But we're also seeing candidates, we're seeing workers actually really valuing that time now back in the office. I think they've had their two years working from home and isolation and, and want to be part of something again. So it's really, really interesting time. In terms of hiring tips, you know, you, you've been in the business for a long time. We discussed that, but in terms of hiring tips for other insure techs who want to grow, they want to scale, what would be your hiring tips for them who want to bring in the best talent possible? How have you how have you achieved that during your time? It's one of the most uncomfortable things that we've ever done. And that is hiring people that aren't like we, and this is particularly on your senior leadership team. It's it's far too easy to hire a bunch of yes people people that will just go along with what it is you want to do um the one thing that when we did some fundraising earlier this year and i had a good conversation with the senior partners at frog capital who actually have a, a great great podcast on how to scale as well they talk about making sure that you hire for your blind spots and i cannot tell you how difficult that is sitting interviewing someone who is clearly doesn't see the world the way that you do but you are so sure about their competencies we, we ended up hiring those people. And my goodness, has it transformed the business? We have a holistic view of the markets. We understand things better. That, that is ultimately what it is. Don't just go on your field. Don't, don't put your ego ahead of your business. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. It's really taking yourself out of your comfort zone there. Like you say, you know, you're, not, you're not just there to build relationships and make friends. You know, you're there to see the different challenges, see the different solutions. You know, people have got, got their own ideas and, and, and can bring a lot of value. On that front, Obviously, you work with a lot of insurance businesses, a lot of very successful insurance businesses. 
What value can someone who's maybe had a career in the insurance industry add to a company like yours? A lot. So quite honestly, you know, the majority of our customer configuration people are looking for, we're looking for insurance talent rather than tech talent. And the reason why I say that is that ourselves and a lot of the people in our space, or a few people in our space, that we invest quite heavily in reducing the, 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 the depth of technology you need to, to integrate or to use our platform or to implement it. And there's often a very big uh, loss in translation gap between talking to an insurance customer and talking to a tech provider. Because tech talks tech and insurance talks insurance. What you need is you need someone who understands what an MTA is configuring the platform, not the other way around. So there's a lot of experience that can come from the insurance space. I would certainly implore you know more tech companies to think about how they can consume more insurance uh, competencies mm-hmm. within themselves. It, it certainly is going to lead to a better industry for everybody if tech understands insurance better. Yeah, absolutely. And and do you find there's more people out there now who have got that mixture of technology and insurance experience? There certainly seems to be more opportunities for those types of candidates in the market. Certainly. You know, the, the one thing that tech is quite cool, good at is that tech pays well. Tech is a little bit, I don't know, the, the word sexier than insurance from, from the, you know, from the outside in. So if you have a an underwriter who all of a sudden can work in tech because the tech doesn't need them to code, they can simply just configure something, well, that you jump across quite quickly. So being able to move across is, is quite a lot uh, or quite a lot easier. But you also see more insurance firms adopting technology, particularly in the MGA space. So in the MGA space, we've seen a lot of people buying tech originally, they have something off the shelf, and then building something out over and above that. And they have their own tech centers. We see the big, you know, people like uh, Mini Pets, who I respect a lot, CFC, who I respect a lot, building out their own tech teams. So there's the ability for tech to jump into insurance too. There absolutely is. And I think the last couple of years with COVID situation and you know some of the other financial shocks that we've that we've had over the last few years, and we, you know, we talk about two thousand eight as well. You know, insurance is seen as an as an incredibly resilient industry. You know, performs well during these difficult times, and I think actually, you know, it's it's very appealing for for a lot of people from within tech as well. So, so there's a lot of opportunities. What other insure techs are you seeing out there that you like the look of? What are some of the other businesses which you think are doing a doing a great job and you admire? Yeah, look, so there's 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 a couple. Um, you know, I think I just mentioned two that I that I that I often look at and go, wow, you know, they've done a good job. You know, yeah. um, even though they're actually insurers, are they in my mind they actually take firms because they've adopted and build their own tech. You know, uh, Hub, the digital brokering agent, and you know that's run by uh, Ed and the team. They I've got a lot of time for them. Larker Insurance, a bicycle insurance, like I quite enjoy what they're trying to do. They're trying to you know actually bring insurance back to what insurance is supposed to be. It's for the policyholder, not really for them. And that probably brings me to like the, the overlaying theme of people that I respect in the industry is people that are genuinely trying to do something to improve the policyholder's life. Far too many insured techs are more concerned about their unit economics than they are about changing the life of the policyholders. So they 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 are trying to create value for the sake of an exit rather than trying to create value for a customer and then exit. And I know there's, there's a big difference that, but I don't like venture for the sake of venture. Uh, you know, it's, that just takes away from everybody else. No, that's fantastic. Thank you, Andre. And actually, I mean, it brings probably brings me me on to my, my final question. I, I can't believe how quickly time's gone today. But around that advice for anyone looking to start, looking to build an insure tech business, what advice would you give someone? Would it, would it be that advice about really trying to change the life of 
of those policyholders and and then looking to exit like you've discussed there yeah absolutely i think you know be be obsessed about solving a customer problem a real problem that exists, not one that is fabricated so that you can go to a VC and look for a hundred times multiple in your revenue for raising. Be obsessed about your product. You know, the one thing that we currently have, and we are all, every single person in tech and insurance is going to find this more challenging, is that policyholders, so every single person that's our end customer, has access to Google, Apple, Facebook, Meta, etc. They they are used to interacting with companies that are worth billions of pounds trillions mm. in some cases so that's the level of tech and ui that they expect so we have to get as close as possible to giving that same customer experience when interacting with uh, with insurance so make sure you obsess on the customer make sure you obsess on on, on your product for that customer and then yeah. raise later yeah yeah absolutely absolutely andre thank you so much for your for your time today it's been it's been fantastic to have you in the insurance copy house i know we've been speaking for for some while now and it's been it's been brilliant to to hear more about what you're doing and that really sort of customer centric mission really that you have there at genesis if there is anyone who'd like to reach out to you after the show either about this podcast or maybe a interested in opportunities at genesis how, how would they go about reaching out to you after the show Oh, just hit me up on LinkedIn. It'll be the easiest. Okay, great stuff. And we'll be sure to post a link to your a link to your LinkedIn profile there so so our listeners can click straight through from the podcast show notes. Andre, thank you so much for your time today. It's been fantastic. Listen, really learned a lot actually about what you're doing there and about you know ways that the insurance technology industry can improve and some of the the best practice there. So so thank you for your time today. Oh, thanks for having me on, Nick. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And to all the insurance leaders, to all the insure tech leaders, wherever you're listening around the world today, we thank you for joining us. And I'm sure you would have gained a lot of great and valuable insights from what Andre's had to say today. If you did enjoy the show, please remember to download and subscribe to the pod to receive each one of our episodes directly into your app each week. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, or I'd like to learn more about the competitive advantage that podcasts can give to your business when attracting talent please reach out to us at insurance-search.com or drop us a message on LinkedIn. Until next time, I've been Nick Codley. This has been the Insurance Coffee House Global InsureTech Series. Take care. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Codley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.